I'm just going to share some ideas with you for a few minutes. I think we'll end up finishing a bit earlier than usual. It's only 20 past seven. And Phil Craven said to me, 15 minutes, then send everyone for cheese. So at this rate, you'll be out 7.35. So I'm not promising 15 minutes, but I'll do my best. Um, last week... Um, Joel talked about being grateful, and um, I have lost count this week of how many times I've had a negative thought, and I've thought, no, I shall turn this into something to be grateful for, so I don't know whether anyone else was applying it, but um, it certainly helped me this week. And amongst other things, he talked about how our intent and how all too often in life we focus on the things something that we've got in our head that we're bothered about and that becomes all that we can see and it just absolutely consumes us and they may be very genuine things overwhelming things huge things but can't we just lose ourselves in those things now if I spent a day with you stalked you and just listened to your conversation and watched your interactions with other people what would I pick up as being the most important things in your life. I suppose it would depend on what day I caught you on, really. But we reveal so much about ourselves in the things that we focus upon. And what, would the things that, what are the things that bother you? It might be a certain person or people or your to-do list or the things you're afraid of or the injustices that you see. And it's not just the negatives, isn't it? Is it? Because I'd pick up on the people that you're bothered about in the positive sense, not the ones that you're worried about, but the ones that you invest your time in, the ones that you care for. Because we're all bothered about different things. Perhaps you're bothered about ensuring a nice, peaceful, easy life. Perhaps you're bothered about getting attention. Perhaps you're bothered about fighting for a worthy cause and you're just not going to rest until you see change. Um, and we show all the time the things that bother us. Now, Jesus said something in, when he was talking and he was walking on earth. And he said that we shouldn't bother ourselves about certain things. He says at one point, who of you, don't worry about what you're going to wear or stuff like that. Who of you by fussing in front of a mirror has even grown by so much of an inch? And he talks about how, look at the flowers. They're not stressing. They're not worrying. And look how beautifully they're clothed. And he seemed to have something to say about how sometimes we need a perspective on life that allows us to focus on the most important things and not the things that are just a phenomenal waste of our time. So what really matters? Now, I've come to the conclusion, along with many of you in here, that I believe that what matters most is that we love one another as he has loved us. So there are two things that are fundamentally important. Number one, that we fully understand and have a revelation of how much we are loved. And it's still way more than any of us, I think, have fully grasped. And number two, that we can somehow imitate that love that we have in Christ and from Christ to the people around us. And I think that this matters more than the music we play, the dances we dance to, the clothes we wear, the style we adopt, the way we pray, the way we raise our hands, the way we don't raise our hands. Actually, knowing we're loved and imitating that love are the things that matter. It matters more than how we feel. Because I don't know about you, there have been many situations in my life where I have done things that have felt great, but they've not been great things to do. And I've done some, had to do some things that have not felt so great, and they've been wonderful things to do. So we can't always measure it on how we feel. Now, I watched a video last week. 
about a boy, and I'm just going to show you the first three minutes of it, and then just share some thoughts that occurred to me about it. And the boy is called Josh. You can find the full video on YouTube. And Josh has a story um, that I think was very um, interesting about how he took a situation that was of great bother to him and decided to just focus on it and on the problem in a slightly different way. So it's just three minutes long, Joe, if you'd just play that for me. Thank you. From what I understand, his father passed away and he would have pictures of him in his locker. Some students thought it would be a good idea to rip down those pictures and harass him and bully him for missing and loving his father. Going through what I went through, you kind of keep to yourself. You don't know who you are or anything. You're just walking through the space, empty space. It's kind of like a, a puzzle. You're trying to find your way to the good things in life. No one wants to be bullied. Everyone wants to feel like they mean something to somebody. It's definitely a hard four years of your life, you know? Even like a few words can affect someone so negatively. I'd sit in the cafeteria alone. I wouldn't talk to anyone. Even the people invited me to sit with them. I didn't feel this was my place to be, you know. Coming to a city school, a lot of people said, you're just going to make it worse. I didn't know what else to do for them. So yeah, we just took the jump. I was uh, pretty scared, you know. I kind of thought the, the city experience, maybe a bigger high school rather than a small town high school, it just might be better. I hoped that attending the school, I would be treated like everyone else. I just wanted to make it and just be a normal kid. I was sick and tired of being a no one. I wanted to be someone and wanted to reach out to people and show who I was. I just remember at first they called him the doorman. They thought he was weird. It was definitely kind of weird. It took a while for people to adjust. But once people realized that he was continuing with it, it almost became something to look forward to in the morning. Like, you walk up the stairs and you know that Josh Ann's going to be standing there with a big smile on his face saying good morning. No problem. The first few weeks when I started doing it, they were kind of shocked. Good, you? Thank you. Not many people hold doors, right? But after that, people started to open up to me. Opening a door is more than a physical act. It's about putting yourself out there, getting to know people, making them feel comfortable, making them feel welcome. Thank you. No problem. Opening doors, it gives people hope that people care. Uh, I think that was his way of uh, saying I'm here and I'm not going to be invisible anymore. He had literally, just by holding doors and saying good morning, he had turned, like, he had made a drastic change in his life. It was definitely a positive effect. Like, it made people want to do nice things for other people. Like, it was, he set a good example for other students. Okay. Um, what struck me when I watched it was just the 
simplicity of, of what he did. He'd had a terrible experience and he'd felt completely invisible and, and, and traumatized by his experience at his old school. So he went somewhere different where that same scenario could have been repeated, but he decided just to make a small change. And in making the small change, he just sowed, sowed a seed of something different. And he just decided that every day he was just going to hold a door open for his fellow classmates. And he just did it every, every day. And, and at first they thought he was a bit odd and a bit strange and what you're doing that for. And then over time, as you watch sort of the rest of the video, over time what started happening was people would stop and talk to him in the door or hug him in the doorway. And it just somehow changed the culture of the place. And he ended up working and speaking to help other students who'd been in his situation and sort of paying it forward in that sense. And he found somehow a way to rewrite his story by just showing in a small act of kindness to other people that they were important. And I just thought it was beautifully simple. And very often in life, we get so bogged down with our what's, with what is happening to us, with what we see, with what is going on, um, what are other people doing and saying, what am I going to do, what am I going to say, how's this going to work, what are we going to, we get so bothered and then we get bothered about how things are going to happen and we're just consumed by all these things, how are we going to get them to listen, how are we going to get people to behave differently, how are we going to get people to change, um, but what struck me and what I really want to have as my key thought tonight for you to take away with is I think that there are times when we really need to redefine and hone in on our why. Not on our what, not on our how, but on our why. Because the truth behind all of our what's and all of our how's is always a why. There's always a why. And from that reason why we do the things we do, that's where all the what's and how's come out of. That's where they originate. Um, why was he at that school? Well, the first school he was at, he was there to be bullied and verbally abused. And he got up every morning going, knowing that the reason he was going in there was to be everybody else's punching bag. And he decided to write himself a new why, that the reason he was going to go to that school was to hold the door open for everyone else. And he found himself a purpose within it. Now, it was simple, but it was a huge step huge, because he said, I'm going to give something to this. I'm not going to be a victim of this, but I'm going to give something. I'm going to do something for other people and change. I'm going to change the culture from the inside out. I'm going to redefine it. And, and it won't have happened overnight, and it will have taken a huge amount of courage to go from where he was to this. And I actually believe that it took a step of faith, because he had to have faith in the goodness of people, regardless of all the people up to that point in his life who had communicated to him that people are not good, people can be unkind. He had to put his faith in the goodness of people. And do you know what? We all have a why. We all have a bunch of whys, actually. But I think for most of us, there's probably a small number that are central, the central wiring point of... of what springs from us. Ant used to say a few years ago, um, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. There's that verse, isn't there? That sense of whoever you believe yourself to be here, that is going to be what you are. And it links to what Joel says last week. Last week, for as long as that's the view that we see, that is what we will perpetuate. 
Now, the people who interacted with Jesus had a why. They had a reason why they fished, why they collected taxes, why they were frightened of everything he was saying, some of them. Um, but some heard that possibility for change. And we're only the same as them tonight, that you'll all have your whys, but some of us, hopefully as many of us as possible, will hear the possibility for change. When Jesus said, follow me, you don't respond to that out of a rational part of your brain. A rational part of you doesn't say, oh, okay then. I will leave everything in my life and off I go. It's nonsensical. But what they heard, well, they caught something about the why on his life. Now, many of the religious people had their reason, their why, um, too fixed. And they, and you know, we all have fixed, I have fixed whys about some things and I can feel them in me sometimes stopping me from becoming who I need to be. Because we have to make sure sometimes, they have to make sure sometimes that they were getting it right. We have to make sure everything's being done right and being done properly. And we have to make sure that they know that they're not quite getting it right and not quite getting it done properly. And that was all caught up in this, this confusion as to what the real purpose of was of what Jesus was doing. And you think about it, you dig a little bit deeper really, because what they believed was that they had to make sure that holy God was being treated respectfully and honourably and that nothing was being done inappropriately. And you think, well, that's actually not a bad um, ideas, because you all want to please the people that you love and make sure they're happy. So if they genuinely were devoted to this idea of God, and they wanted to make sure this God was happy, you can't knock them for that. But if you dig a little bit deeper into them and sometimes into us, why did they need that reason? And the truth was, if the God they believed in was so powerful, was he not capable of handling this guy, Jesus, was he not capable of handling the way he was being? Why did they need to be the ones to put a stop to it? And some of that is because it was linked to their own identity. They had a position in that society. They had a standing in that society. They were seen a certain way in that society. They had power. And sometimes in our life, some of the reasons why we hold on to the things that we hold on to is because they so form part of our identity that if we let go of some of that stuff, who will we be? Who, who will we be if we let go of some of those ideas we've always believed and those things we've always held on to? And we're afraid of the um, empty spaces that will be left behind. But in those empty spaces, that's where you rewrite your story. That's where you get a chance to find something new. And I want to challenge you tonight that when we discover that some of our reasons were not really great reasons, and we feel that sense sometimes of purposelessness, there is a tremendous opportunity to have something new rewritten into our lives. And some of us tonight really need to redefine our why. And I'll tell you how you know if you need to redefine your why, because you're getting very bothered about the what's and the how's. And if in your life you look around and you're really bothered about what's happening and how it's happening, and I'm talking in any aspect of your life, it's probably because, in fact, it's, it's more than likely because you've lost a sense of purpose in that thing. You've lost a reason why um, it's there and you're getting bogged down in the details. 
So Jesus managed to keep his why. And his why was, I am going to make the Father visible. I am going to show you what your Father looks like. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And his reason for being was to say, I'm going to show you what this kingdom really, really looks like. And he says, I'm going to prove to you just how loved you are. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you and I'm going to put it on display. And he kept that why. Now imagine if Jesus had become lost in his what's. If you imagine for a second, and I don't know whether it happened to him momentarily or not. We weren't there, were we? We were in his mind. But what if he forgot that purpose? Think of the what's and the circumstances he was having to work in and work under. I mean, what he had to do and say to people was not easy. And how he had to be was not easy. And the path he had to walk, the rejection, the misunderstanding, the long hours, the sleepless nights, the backlash of the community. I mean, the horror of the crucifixion. And how it all happened was very unpleasant. But because he managed to keep his why, it said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I mean, he managed to keep hold of his why because he understood that he had one job, and that was, I need to make the Father visible. And he did some stuff and broke some of the rules of the time because in that moment, to make the Father visible, he had to not keep within the framework of that time. He had to do something else, but he had to keep his why. Now, we've heard a lot about how this God is a humble God, and it's a beautiful thought. And and we forget that the downside of humility is the fact that it brings with it humiliation. Do you get that the words are linked? Humility, humiliation. And so what he did and how he did it did not seem to match in people's minds that this could be the way of a a mighty God. And sometimes in your life, you might look and think, hang on a minute, if this God thing works, and if there's power in this, and if it's supposed to be this magnificent thing, why does it sometimes feel like the walking the way of humility is so hard? If you've ever been in a position where you've had to forgive a wrong which we all have, that is not easy and it seems to go against everything that you think it should somehow... How is it okay to say that that's okay? But it's a humble truth. Now, surely kingdom should look like success, victory, empowerment. And what the people thought was, how can a cut-up and beaten figure on a cross be an expression of a king of kings and lord of lords? Because it seemed backwards and upside down and all over the place. And that's how it comes. Because if you ever notice that God seems to choose some really weird people to show what he's like sometimes. And he seems to, he he doesn't choose the person that's head and shoulders above the rest. He seems to choose the person that you think, really? Really? But then that gives us hope, doesn't it? Now, I cannot tell you your why tonight. I wish I could. But if I could tell you why, it would be a what. Do you get that? I can't tell you what your reasons are tonight. Um, But I can tell you that it takes some honesty. And I lay in the early hours of the morning on Thursday, not being able to sleep, and realising that some of the whys in my life are still to find a sense of value that I don't feel like I have. Now, I can, everyone can tell me I have it, but we all know that the inside stuff's harder, isn't it? And I was challenged to come to faith again that my value is set, and it's set in the loving eyes of a father. And I want my way to be able to, 
and my why to be able to give be able to give value to others out of what I've found, but for as long as we're wrestling in ourselves, for as long as I feel like that, I am going to pursue some what's and how's in my life that are destructive. I am, and I do. Because until I get my why, my reason, centered and in line with how the Father sees it, I am going to pursue some other stuff. I just am, because it's in me. Now, I want to challenge you tonight, and you won't be able to do this right now this second, or maybe you will, to really think over the coming days and to evaluate your whys, your reasons. And some of you, I know, enjoy analysing and going all over it, and some of others of you perhaps do enjoy it less. But it is important to know what is going on at the centre of us, because that is actually informing everything that we are outworking in our life. And what if the fundamental why at the heart of your life is actually something that's unnecessary or destructive or damaging or unhelpful? You kind of need to know it's there, and you kind of need to be able to at least be honest about that and decide whether you want to keep it or not, or, like the guy in the video, start to redefine a purpose in your life in a different way. Now, the why I think is true for me and true for you is the same why, that fundamentally I believe that we are called to be able to make the Father visible to one another. We're his hands, we're his feet. I believe we're supposed to be that to each other. Because I can say words of great conviction, and so can you, when we can be someone who achieves great works and wonderful successes in life. Um, but if I can't make the Father visible in my interactions with you, and I don't always, um, then I've missed something that I want to be. And I think making the Father visible, and I know I've said it before, and I'll probably keep saying it because it's about repurposing. It's a noble why to be able to say, my why in my life is in all of my interactions with every human being, I want to make the love of a Father visible. I want to give people value. I don't want to be pointing out their rights and their wrongs and what I think, and I want to be giving people value on a daily basis. Now, the boy in the video opened the door, and that's really significant because the significance of an open door is about welcoming, isn't it? It's about, it's about, welcoming, about, welcoming, people in, about welcoming people in, and we are very much holding a door open in this place because we have found a wonderful a wonderful welcoming kingdom and a wonderful why. And not everybody will come through the doors in here, but they will be coming in through the doors of your life. There are people coming in and out of your life all the time. And what sort of welcome are they getting from you as a person? Or are we so distracted with our stuff and getting what we need for ourselves that really we're very disconnected from those around us? Now, when we do have people in our life, and we all do it, I see myself doing it as a wife, as a parent, as a work colleague, as a friend, it's so easy to try and impose on people what they should do and how they should do it, and then forget to keep central all the time the why, the making the father visible. And just again, think for a minute of the, the interactions you have on a daily basis. Are they more about the what's, the how's, or the why's? And it's difficult to keep those things central sometimes. Our why in this place 
says, basically, our reason is that people need to know that they're loved, accepted, forgiven, and it is done. That's our why. And you can't keep any doors closed in that model. It's got to be welcoming, and we've got to find a way. But that's not always easy. But we don't do it because it's easy. We don't do it because it feels good. We don't do it because it suits us. We don't do it because we're perfect people who can manage it all the time. But we do it because that's what following Jesus is. That's what following Jesus is. It's not necessarily the way we want it to be, but that's what it is. Because actually, how, how, we can't just say we follow Jesus and then be judging everybody's rights and wrongs. The two don't go together. To follow Jesus, we imitate Jesus. And what was his why? To show the love of the Father. So if that's not central in our interactions with other people, we've kind of missed the point and we've got lost in our own stuff. So I challenge you tonight to take time to evaluate your why, to repurpose your life around a why worth living. And if what you're doing and how you're doing it does not communicate this why, then don't feel condemned or bad. Just be willing to be honest with yourself about what your why is. Because in understanding what your why is, like I've understood what my why is, you can start to identify, right, okay, there's something in me that I need to resolve because for as long as that's in me, it's going to limit who I can be to other people. What you do proves what you believe. It does, doesn't it? So what are you doing and what does that show about what you believe? I had a lovely moment last night um, thinking of simple details, and I'm nearly done. Sorry, Phil, it's not 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> the, I was mar- I've been, oh, I've, I have to be careful because I'm doing this thing for the exam board and some of it's really confidential, so I can't get in trouble because this is recorded. Let me think how I can word this. I happened to be looking at some stuff last night, and I was, I, I, part of what I had to do for this marking was this really ridiculously menial task that you just think, this is an almighty waste of my time. And um, one of the things you have to do is, um, oh, I'll just say it. One of the things you have to do, I don't think I'll be in trouble. One of the things you have to do is, you have to put a tick on all the blank pages that pupils haven't written on. And so I hadn't realized this before I marked the hundreds of pages. So I had to sit going through every single thing, booklet that I'd marked, and I had to Tick every single blank page. That didn't feel like a good use of my time, if I'm honest. And you know, you start, you do the first few, and this is fine. And then by the end, I was just getting so frustrated, thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? This is a waste of my time. And just toward the bottom of this huge pile, I was flicking through, and I came across some writing just on the back page, right near the bottom. And um, it was written in pencil, not in pen. And I thought, what's this doing back here? Anyway, I I really can't. I would love to share what it says, but I really can't. But there was basically three lines, and it was one of the kids in the exam had written out a prayer, and it was so cute. It was so cute. And I wish I could tell you the words, but I really can't. But she'd written this really heartfelt prayer, clearly sitting in an exam thinking, panicking. So she'd written out a prayer at the back of this booklet. And in that moment, I just thought, I just thought, I remembered that these really tedious, boring things I was looking at were represented children and they represented. And so I found myself having seen that 
going and looking at hers again, checking I'd marked it <laughs> completely right, because I remembered that it was a person. And I just think that is so easy to do. We, we just get lost in what we have got to do and we miss the people aspect. I'm awful for it. I'm all, my husband will tell you I'm a terrible listener because um, I'm terrible because I will be that busy with what's in my own head that it's like there's no room, no room for anything else. Or I will walk past somebody and because I've got to be somewhere, I'll just forget to even smile. Don't even sm- just the way that boy held open that door, I think sometimes we have to get back to a simplicity of smiling at each other and saying hello and the people interaction, and surely that's the central part of what we're about. I am not afraid as a parent that Daniel will make some lifestyle choices that I didn't make or perhaps wouldn't want him to. That doesn't scare me at all. I am more bothered that he knows how utterly loved he is by father, by community, by his family, and because if he knows who he is and why he is and how loved he is, all that stuff, he'll be all right. He will be all right. And we have to get the whys right in people's lives. Let's be part of proving the Father loves people. Let's prove it in our face, with our words, with our actions. Let's prove his approval on people's life. And I want to really assure those of you that belong to this place that we see the what's, and we see hows, and we see them all the time, but our why will always lead. And it will always lead because Jesus did some what's and how's in the context of his day that was, very, that was questionable to some in his day. But my goodness me, he proved the Father loved. And I want you all to be at peace with our why and don't worry about the what's and the how's because if we in this place concentrate on proving to each other how much the Father loves... We will, ev- it will really, really, ev- everything's then okay. So let's do the simple things in life. Let's hold doors, let's smile, and let's, I very much feel like you need to go away and think about this one and really, really think through what is your why? What is motivating you in your life to do some of the things you're doing? Because if you get to, we used to talk about roots and fruits, if you get to the root of it, you will find that the out would expressions of your life start to look quite different? Let's just pray by saying, do you know what? Would you t- we're gonna, this is how we're going to close. Would you turn to the people next to you and tell them five things that you are wonderful. Tell, tell them five wonderful things about themselves and then you can go and have cheese. Okay, have a good night. <laughs>